Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, and join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to Season 3 of A Most Unusual Tea Party where we use the letter T to unlock a person's story, giving us an unusual look into the mystery guests who join me at the table. I'm Teresa Abram, a handwriting analyst and graphologist, and if you are curious about decoding the messages of the subconscious mind, then pour yourself a mug of something yummy and join me at the table. This season of the podcast, I don't know my guests before they join me at the table. All I know is their name, what their handwriting looks like, and that my mug is on hand. But before I spill the tea on what I'm drinking, you're going to find out who our mystery guest is at the same time I do, and you're going to find out what their love language is. So without further ado, let's find out who our mystery guest is today. And today at the tea party, we have Lindsay Bennett joining me over a cup of something yummy. Welcome to the tea party, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Right now, I don't know anything other than what your handwriting has told me. So I'm super curious. What do you do for a living, Lindsay? Well, right now, I am a graduate student at my local university in Utah. And I graduate in May of this year, 2021, which is weird to say. And I am studying communication studies, which my focus is on compassionate communication And so while I've been in my master's program, I've started my entrepreneurship. And so I have a business that just started last fall called with Lindsay Bennett. And you can find me on Instagram and I have a website of the same name. So that's what I do. I'm a coach or a guide. I like to call myself where I help people, women specifically, who are looking to strengthen their relationships, their connections, feel seen, heard and understood. I help them do that through proven communication strategies. So we can find more about what you do at with Lindsay Bennett. Yes. And my name is Lindsay spelled with an A-Y. And a double T. Bennett is B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Yes. So your focus is going to be on helping women specifically build better relationships and communicate better. Exactly. Yes. So I teach interpersonal communication at the university and I found it was a transformational class for me and all of my students, well, a lot of them that are engaged in the class, they are transformed as well by the end of the 16 weeks. And so I'm taking a lot of the material that I bring to them through the course into my entrepreneurship. And I'm excited for the transformations that'll happen for women specifically, like I said, and like you mentioned, to have better connections and feel more fulfilled in their relationships. You talk about transformation. What kind of transformation are you talking about? Like what could somebody expect if they were to sign up with you and say, yes, book me in Lindsay. The transformations vary from a personal transformation where they start to love themselves more. Cause we talk a lot about self-compassion and in my class, I bring self-compassion into it. And so they, they start to really love themselves and speak more kindly to themselves and see a transformation with the relationship that they have with themselves. They leave feeling more confident, more at peace, more connected to themselves, more authentic and understanding what they want and need out of a relationship and how to speak up for that. And then in terms of relationships that have happened transformationally with other people, so the interpersonal part, 
that has happened with marriages. I have some students who are newly married. And so that is a big change for them in lifestyle. And so learning how to communicate with their partner, learning how to speak up for their needs again, um, learning how to live with someone else that has a totally different upbringing from you in the communication style and how to work with each other and, and just really bring you together to have a stronger connection, even though you might disagree, um, how to work through that and still have a strong foundation in your relationship. And you know, what really stands out for me, Lindsay, is it's not just that they have different backgrounds, but they'll also have different ways of communicating. That's one of the biggest benefits for me when I'm doing a handwriting analysis of somebody is it does let me know how does this person prefer to communicate? What is their most comfortable way to communicate? Are they going to be able to handle direct no nonsense or do we need to be a little bit softer and perhaps coach it a little nicer? Exactly. And we, I also talk about the love languages in my class. Perfect. We go over that. Yeah. And I have them take the test and I go over like do's and don'ts of how to communicate with people who need that. Maybe theirs is words of affirmation and yours isn't. So how do you communicate with someone who love languages, words of affirmation? They love it. And I'm sure that you touch on this because you talked so much about that personal relationship that you have with yourself, you know, and to me, I think one of the biggest bonuses of the love languages is you don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. So if words of affirmation is your jam, you don't actually have to wait for your partner to do it. You can do it for yourself. You can pump yourself up and say, I rock. I'm awesome. And it's so empowering to be able to do that. I agree. Well, this will be really exciting then, Lindsay. You know quite a bit about this. We should have some juicy conversation, I hope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always fascinating to me to see who is it that I've got for my tea party today? Who are we sitting down with? So. The most striking thing about your handwriting, Lindsay, that I saw when I first opened it up is your use of the page. You filled the page and you started with a very narrow margin at the top, right down to the bottom, as far as I can tell. It's pretty much side to side. You went a little bit over, you know, the suggested margin, and, and this is, there are no rules when it comes to margin. It's one thing that we have complete control over. There is a suggested margin just because of how I start the page, and you still set your own and moved it over. And that is very revealing, the fact that you have very narrow margin at the top and a very narrow margin at the bottom, and you're really going side to side. I always pictured of like this person standing in a box and having to like, you know, arms outstretched and legs akimbo, making sure that they're touching all of their surroundings. Like here I am, this is where I am at. They're being grounded. And that's really what that means, right? It's just that connection. You want that connection to your surroundings by going out all the way. You're saying, where am I? What is my position? And you're getting your bearings. It's very important for you to stay connected with where you are. And that is the first clue to your primary love language. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb right off the bat and say it is not acts of service. Okay. Do you feel like you're somebody who does like to make sure you're taking stock of your surroundings and staying grounded and connected? Absolutely. I observe, like I'm very observant and I need to know what my surroundings are. I need to feel like I'm solid where I am. And connected. Yes. Connecting is big for me with where I am. And if I, it helps me feel comfortable. I like how you phrase that, that you're very observant of that. 
And that's a great way to phrase it is just, you are going to be observant of your surroundings and making sure this is where I fit in and this is my space in it. The other thing that's really interesting is a very creative lowercase g that looks something like a figure eight. Sometimes you do a typical G, but you also have enough of these figure eights going on that we can notice it and say, yep, that shows a very specific trait. It indicates somebody who's visually creative as opposed to somebody who might be musically creative. You're going to be more creative and it's going to be related to the sites. Okay. So that might be something like you'd like to decorate your home. You like colors, you like paintings, that kind of thing. That resonates. And I, I'm a visual learner as well. And so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but visuals are big for me. And I do love to decorate. My Pinterest boards are full of home inspiration and, and stuff like that. And for my business, I love creating the content that's going to go online and fun to me to make it visually appealing and and comforting. Totally makes sense because of that G that you have, and it's there enough times for us to know that that's what you like. And it's interesting that you can take that the step further and say, yeah, you're also the visual learner as well. And I, you know, it's one of the things handwriting analysis is, is people often say, yeah, but what's the point? What can you use it for? It's so important for building relationships because you can really see how do I communicate with this person? It's important for businesses. Cause again, you're going to understand so much more about that person and what motivates them. But another wonderful thing is if teachers use it in schools, if they get a basic foundation in handwriting analysis, you can start to learn how does this child learn better? That would be helpful. Yeah. So, and probably because you are a teacher, you do teach in university. So that's where you already know about the visual learners versus auditory learners. And so it's a piece of your lexicon already. So now you'll see if anybody has that figure eight G, you'll know they're a visual learner. Okay. That's fun. Now, Lindsay, I want to talk about your tea because, of course, here at the tea party, that's really what it's all about. The T, of course, is one of the most talkative letters. It's, there's over 450 ways that you can make it. So every choice that you make with your T says something very distinctive about you. And I bet you thought you were just making a letter T just so that you could spell the words correctly. However, it is very distinctive. With your T, you have a T that has a long T stem. And of course, there's only two strokes to the T, right? You have the stem and you have the crossbar that goes horizontal. And your T stem is nice and long. We see that it is taller than your middle zone. And the middle zone is your letters like your O's, your N's, your A's, your E's, your M's. And your T stem always extends higher than that. And that's a really good sign for somebody who is very proud of their work and their accomplishments. Your T's aren't so tall that it's indicating vanity and that you have a big fat head, but they are indicating <laughs> that you do take pride in what you do. And I would say, given from what you were talking about at the beginning, as you were introducing yourself, I think you do take pride. It is there. You're very proud of what your students accomplish through taking your course and what they can achieve. I am proud of them and I love when they apply themselves and you get to see the aha moments throughout the semester. So we're looking at the lowercase t then, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, it is the lowercase t we are specifically talking about. Okay. There's two other things about your t that are quite remarkable. Because quite often, if somebody is writing a t, and most of your writing is cursive, I would consider your writing to be cursive, it's not printing, is you can end up going up 
And then when you come back down on the T-stem, you can put a little loop in it. And you do have little loops occasionally. Yes. You can see these little loops. They're very, very slight and they're not super frequent. They do happen, but they're not 100% of the time. So that shows me that you do have a little bit of a sensitivity to criticism, but it doesn't rule your life. You're not going to be actively looking for ways to avoid it. And, you know, there's a chance there that if somebody does offer you something that is perhaps a little bit critical, you can also take it with a little bit of grain of salt and not, not get your knickers in a knot. So I think it would depend on who the criticism is from and what the criticism is about. So if it's criticism from someone where I, or some about something that I feel strongly about, like my morals or my values or something like that, then I can take their criticism with a grain of salt. If it's something that I am not terribly confident about, or I have self-doubt about, or anything like that, then the criticism really stings. So it depends for me on what the criticism is about. And then also, if the criticism is from somebody that I don't really know, then I can take it with a grain of salt because they don't know me. But if it's criticism from like one of my students that I have, like, I love my students. Like, I don't know, you just, we learn so much about each other in my course and they share with me through the papers that they write. They share with me some of their experiences that they've had with their loved ones that have been challenging for them and how they're overcoming it. And so they really share with me personal things about their lives that are like, okay to share with me, you know? Um, And so if one of them was to criticize the class or the way that I teach or how I interacted with them, then that would hurt. That would sting. And that would really make sense given the fact that you do have some that have it and some that don't. That makes sense. And it's also not overly inflated. Like sometimes we can see people who will do it and it's inflated. And that means it doesn't matter who says it or the context. If it's anything even slightly like a criticism, they're going to react to it. Um, So you have that moderate where you can take it and look at it. And, you know, it depends on the context. That would definitely make sense. So beautiful. Thank you for clarifying that and that distinction. Now, the other thing that I just want to point out, too, about your T's, and it relates directly to a love language, is the fact that your T-bar crossings often dip down. They're not straight across. They're not perfectly horizontal. They do dip a little bit. I think that's concave. They go down a little bit concave. And that is very, very specific sign that we could remove quality time from your love language as a primary one. It's not to say that maybe you don't like it, but it's not going to be your primary one because this kind of line here shows that you don't always need to have a super deep conversation. You like to be connected, but that connection can also simply be a, hey, how are you? It doesn't have to take it deeper. So now we know that your primary love language is not acts of service. And I'm going to take out of the running quality time and we'll see what else is left then. Now, spot the lie. This is a part that I do with my podcast where I am still just learning. It's something that I'm practicing. It's trying to identify what people have that may perhaps be a deception. So Lindsay, I know that you did put a deception in your handwriting sample. And at the very start, you say Paris, France is my dream vacation spot. And my dream vacation spot 
really jumps up. So I don't know whether Paris, France is really your dream vacation spot, or if at this point you're plotting your lie and maybe you haven't actually visited it numerous times. I'm not sure, but I know that right here, you are now planning your deception. So it is something to do with Paris, France, and I believe it has something to do with your visits. I am plotting my lie in that paragraph. That little jump up right there definitely shows me that suddenly things are not going to be on the level. I can't get any more specific than that other than if I know that if I saw this and uh, this was something very important, I would want to question you a little bit more about your dream vacation. It is on the number of times that I've been there. I said that I had been to Paris three times, but I've actually been to Paris seven times. Ah, there you go. It is my dream vacation spot, but I've been seven times instead of three. And I see, you know, now that I know specifically, it is absolutely the three. That's a really good one for me to look at because there's a little bit different of a spacing there. And you see how you did your R and the three is compared to the there and the other. It's a little bit softer. You rounded it out. So that's a good one too. And you did that the same thing here in dream where you rounded it out. Okay. Yeah. So that would be one of your cues that you know that there's some an, deception going on. And I say that because sometimes we deceive ourselves. Sometimes we have blinders on to something that we can't even see. So if you start seeing this little rounded R popping up in your writing, you can say, hmm, why is that there? That's so interesting. Yeah, because typically you're going to have a little bit more of a point on it. Yeah. Fun. Thank you for doing that. So for your love language, Lindsay. I did hint at the beginning how when we were talking about the page, how you need that feeling of connection and, you know, knowing your spot in the world. And by extension, that really does show somebody who does need to connect and be in touch with their surroundings. And so for me, that was the first big clue that I'm going to say that physical touch is actually your primary love language. It's also supported by the fact that you do have a lower zone whenever we have stuff going on below the baseline. It is relating to some of our drives, like the physical drive, the drive for money, the drive for success. It's those subconscious drives that we have. And so you do have loops in your lower zone, which shows that physical, there is a physical drive there. You also are very connected in your writing. And you've talked about, yes, you want to be connected to people. And you have these lovely garlands everywhere that you're connecting your letters because you're not crowding the letters so that they're you know, literally on top of each other or touching side by side, you're using what's called a little garland connection stroke, a ligature that connects them and holds them all together. So that connection again tells me that you do want to stay connected. You do need to touch the next letter. You will want to touch another person. You also have slightly larger writing that shows a lot of energy and an enthusiasm. And that's what we're going to also see in somebody who has physical touch as a primary love language. Now that I've told you my reasons for why, and that I think that you are not going to be shy about having some public displays of affection, and that you would actually feel very unloved if you suddenly stopped getting them, what is your primary love language, Lindsay? Well, my primary love language is receiving gifts. And that was a shock to me because normally it's not. But as I took the test this time, I took it yesterday. So yesterday was January 1st for whenever this comes out. But when I took the test this time, I was, I took it on the Love Languages site and 
it was, it was really interesting as I was thinking about it, they worded receiving gifts differently than any other time I've taken the test. For me, it was more about being remembered and not necessarily about the thing. It was more about being remembered and that they were paying attention. So like it could be my favorite candy bar, which isn't a memento, but it's that they were paying attention enough to know that I have a favorite candy bar and this is the one that it is. Some of them were um, your your loved one. I don't remember the wording, but your loved one um, picks up something for you throughout their day. And so that was like, oh yeah, they were thinking about me throughout their day. I matter to them. So they were thinking about me. It wasn't that it was, they bought me something or they made me something. It was that they were thinking about me. That's interesting. Cause that was what I had it down between is those two. Oh yeah. Going, and then I ended up at saying, no, it's gotta be the physical. Cause you have such a strong lower zone. Um, and that ended up being the decisive point for physical. And I know that part of receiving gifts too, is that gift of presence, right? Where it not presents, but just having the gift of that person being there. That's also that container feeling, right? Of just knowing that that person is there, knowing that, that check that, yep, yep, yep. They still got my back. Yes, exactly. And that one was actually 26%. And then the other two that were close second were tied at 23%. And it was quality time and acts of service. And I think for me, again, it's about just being remembered. So I've struggled a lot with not really feeling like I matter to people. And so when somebody shows up for me, then that is a huge thing for me. And words of affirmation was the least um, on mine because sometimes words are shallow to me. And, and when I say words to people, I mean it. And also when words are said to me, then that doesn't really resonate. My mind can like work out all the ways that it's not true. But if someone shows up for me physically, not necessarily touching me, but um, if someone shows up for me by doing something kind for me and remembering me, then that speaks volumes to me. That would make sense. Yeah, the words of affirmation were ruled out pretty quick just because of your T-stems. And again, that concave T-bar crossing, it it just shows Mm -hmm. me that, no, that's not going to be, the word thing is not your, not your gem for sure. Not at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now, I've been thinking more about when you were talking about public displays of affection. Mm -hmm. And right now, I'm not in a committed relationship or a dating relationship for that matter. And when I am, though, I do love the public displays of affection. And like you said, you said if they if we did the PDA and then all of a sudden it wasn't there, then something would be. That would be alarming to me. And that is true. You know, and that's such a great point too, isn't it? It can change depending on the stage of life you're at, whether you're in a committed relationship or you're not, whether your kids are young, whether they're growing. I really do feel that your love language will change depending on your circumstances and what's currently in your life at the time. I agree because I, and I think too, the test you take like the, where you take the test and how they word the questions can change too. So this will be interesting to take this same one again when I am in a committed relationship and see what might shift. And you know, another thing too, with physical touch that uh, especially, <laughs> this is really fascinating to me, Lindsay, because we were even talking about the self-care at the beginning, how if, you know, words of affirmation, you can do it yourself. 
So something like this would be like, do you enjoy getting massages? Do you enjoy going to the spa? Do you enjoy that? Because that's another form of physical touch that if you're not in a committed relationship, you can still receive it that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I love getting a massage or getting a facial, having my hair played with. I have long hair and um, just like, it just is so calming and comforting and relaxing and Yeah. And that could be just right now how you are getting that need filled, right? Is because that is absolutely 100% physical touch. And there are people who do not like that. They they don't want it, right? That is interesting. And I I just love how that kind of circled around to how we were even talking about it at the beginning. And I was thinking when you said at the beginning of um, some of these things we can give to ourselves, I was thinking I knew what mine was. And I was thinking, well, how do I give myself a gift? I rem- like I'm with myself all the time. So of course I remember, of course I know my favorite candy bar, but I think it's more about remembering our needs and showing up for our own needs and for our own self and giving ourselves the gift of self-compassion or the gift of that massage. Maybe it was, maybe we need it. And so we're going to give ourselves that gift of the massage or whatever it is. So we can do that for ourselves. And, and I love that. And quality time. I was thinking about that too. And, um, that could be time with your journal or, you know, on a nature walk or something like that. So you've opened my eyes to a new part of the love languages and how we can do those for ourselves. So I'm going to add that to my lessons. Beautiful. Yeah. It's actually, there's a lot of good uh, information out there about that of how can you give it to yourself? Because there are lots of people who are not in a relationship. And we so do not have to wait for somebody else to do this. We can, we can fill up our own love tanks and then it makes it so that we are so much more open and so much more stable when we do go into a relationship because we're not running on empty to begin with. Oh my gosh, that's huge. So you mentioned that my writing is more on the cursive side. Mm-hmm. Like, does the cursive say something versus if I were to write in just print? Yes. So great question. And cursive is different from printing. So cursive is a lot more expressive because how you choose to connect your letters is going to tell us something. How often you connect the letters tells us something. The formations themselves are a little bit more dynamic because you have more up and down and you're traveling across the page. So it's much more expressive than printing, which is basically most of it is going to be a downstroke. Okay. So when somebody is comfortable cursive, It tells us that they are more open and they're not as much of a closed book. So people who print tend to be a little bit more reserved, a little bit more of a closed book. It's going to take a bit more time to get to know them because they like to keep things private. That makes sense. And that does ring true for me that I am an open book. I'm expressive in most things. When you said you were in compassionate communications and I I'm looking at your writing and I'm seeing these, you know, this lovely cursive that is connected and you've got these, you know, rounded forms. And it's like, yeah, that would work because you, you walk that talk. And it makes such a difference for me, the connections with people and the stories that like we all have our own stories. And it's so interesting to me that this handwriting is telling a bit about my story. That's exactly what I say for the tea party. It's like, we're using the letter T to uncover people's stories. You know, sometimes people say, it feels like you're a psychic or you're a medium I'm being read. And it's like, no, we're not a, we're not a medium. We're not a psychic. And I absolutely cannot predict anything from your handwriting, but I know 
where you're at and I can see perhaps what your pattern of behavior is. Well, Lindsay, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time with me to look at your love language and your handwriting. It's been a fascinating discussion. There's just so much there to take in. Thank you for having me. I've told you in our correspondence outside of this that I've been looking forward to this and I really have like I keep looking, is it Saturday yet? <laughs> my calendar. I've just been so excited about this and to see like what else I can learn about myself. It's just so interesting because it's always a learning process. We're always learning and growing no matter what stage we are in, you know, of our lives. So absolutely. Amen to that. Well, Lindsay, I'm really curious. I have iced tea, even though it's kind of cold here today, but for some reason I decided I'm going to have some iced tea while we sit down to talk about our tea. And I'm curious, what's in your mug today? So in my mug right now, I usually have my tea in the evening. So my mug is filled with half water and half freshly pressed juices. So citrus juice is really is really big right now in the season and so it's oranges grapefruit some lemons i also have some grapes and cucumbers not citrus but you know well that sounds delicious enjoy the rest of your concoction i don't even know what to call it other than a concoction that's a concoction is a great description all right well thank you again Lindsay. thank you thanks for listening if you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI. Hey, did you know that the best compliment you can give me is a referral to someone else? Please help spread the word about a most unusual tea party and my guest and share it with your network or someone who might find it interesting. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more about graphology and what Teresa is doing, be sure to head over to the website at www.handwritingpi.ca slash hashtag newsletter and subscribe to Handwriting PI's newsletter. You'll get early notice of future guests on the podcast. You'll see full samples of the handwriting and get more tips for analyzing handwriting on your own. And if you have it in your heart, leave a tip in the tip jar found at www.handwritingpi.ca. The Tea Party is professionally edited by the amazingly talented Casey Broda. If you would like to contact her or inquire about her services, look for at Casey Broda on Instagram. That's at C-A-S-E-Y-B-R-O-D-A. And finally, if you want to have an audio handwriting analysis done, like you hear here on the show, send us an email at handwritingpi at gmail.com asking for information about our AHA program. Thanks for listening.